The following is a hoop ball presentation. What's up, everybody? I'm Najee Adams, and I'm Hunter Jacobs, and you're listening to the Hoop Ball Nets podcast. We are back with another episode. Um, yeah, last episode we talked about Harden and the whole big three, and now they've got three games under their belt, and we can't wait to talk about uh, all of them, especially tonight's game. We're recording after the double overtime loss to the Cavs, and you already know me and Hunter have some opinions on it, just like every other Nets fan out there does, so we can't wait to get to that. Make sure you subscribe to the Hoop Ball Nets podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review because all reviews will get read on the podcast. You can follow us on Spotify as well. Download the pod. We appreciate it. You can also give the uh, Twitter a follow at HoopBallNets. Like, low-key, we're getting close to 200 followers. Like, we just be getting follows out of nowhere. So, um, we're on the road to 200 right now. And I can't wait to get there. You can follow me at Adams underscore. Hunter is at Hunter underscore JKR on Twitter. And uh, I got to get my own little plug in. Uh, Make sure you guys, if you rock with me, Go listen to the Run It Up podcast, which is my own personal podcast. This week, I had Keith McPherson on of Talking Nets, a little crossover, you know. Um, we talked about the Nets. We talked about uh, tips for growing your brand, how he got started. It's a great episode, so uh, go check that out. You can find it on my Twitter. Uh, you can find it on the Run It Up podcast Twitter, and uh yeah, go check out that episode. But um, before we get into things, let me give a huge shout out to our guys over at my bookie um you already know my bookie is one of our greatest supporters ever since we started the podcast people people have been asking us for betting tips we always get asked who you got lakers or clippers rogers or mahomes and i'll tell you what we tell them where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I tell people to bet with my bookie. My bookie's rep is rock solid and they've got the best odds, contests, and promotions in the business. They're the only place I trust to handle my NBA related bets. You know me, you know us, and you know that we don't give out our stamp of approval easily. To earn it, you've got to be the best at what you do, and my bookie is the best sports book out there, period. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code HOOPBALL, that's H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L, and get your deposit matched halfway up to a 1000 bucks. Head over to MyBookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best, bet with MyBookie. And so, boom, before we get into like the Nets vs. Bucks and Nets vs. Cavs, we want to talk about just kind of some Nets current events, some news, what's going on in Nets land. So, we want to start with uh, our old net, our our fallen soldier, Karis LeVert. Um, it was revealed after uh, he conducted the physical for the Harden trade that he does, unfortunately, have a mass on his kidney. Um, and um, uh, he actually said that this trade might have saved his life. Now, he doesn't know the exact seriousness of it because he's still undergoing tests. But the fact that it's one of those things that that time timing is just fortunate because it's it's happened in other sports too where someone gets traded and then they find out that something is is like wrong with them and if they didn't get traded they they could have been in bad condition it's the same case here but we don't know how serious the mass is yet but hopefully he's able to recover 
and return soon enough better than ever. And also it's interesting that the Pacers could have pulled back on the trade after yeah. his physical, but yeah, I think they that through with it. And, and Karras even said like, he didn't know what was going on. He didn't know the next step or if the trade was going to go through. He said, it's a testament to the organization, the Pacers and not only how good of people they are, but how much they believe in him. And that was huge for him. He can't wait to get back healthy. So so he's happy to be an indie. And the fact they went through with it is either them believing that he can be a great player, all-star level, or they just really didn't want Oladipo anymore. And that's why that that was kind of obviously prayers up to Karis. We both over here at Hoopball Nets hope you get better extremely soon. Uh, we will never forget the contributions you gave to this Nets team. Always going to have a special place in our heart. But one of the, the the more touching points for me was like, like you said, the Pacers could have backed out of the deal, which would have stopped the Nets from getting Harden, um, which is also interesting because like they're an eastern conference competitor so they knew what they were doing but they have that much faith in Karis. and it kind of reminds me of not exactly the same scenario but back when the pelicans traded for brandon ingram uh i know that there was some some uh speculation around him having blood clots and people not really knowing how he was going to bounce back if he was going to be the same player if he like because that was before he kind of took that next step into the all-star caliber. So the Pelicans took the chance on Brandon Ingram, even with the blood clots, even with people saying that this is a very serious injury, the same. And, and Brandon Ingram obviously came back and delivered tenfold on the type of player he was before. So um, I think the Pacers got themselves a stud in Karras. And uh, I think they know that, which is why they, they wanted to pull the trigger regardless. Also, Mike Hunter said they wanted to get Victor Oladipo the heck up out of there because the fact that they traded a fully healthy, functioning Victor Oladipo for a Karras Levert with a very mysterious injury speaks volumes in itself. But, um... Yeah, we wish Karis the best. Uh, we wish the Pacers the best with Karis. We think he's going to eat, and we hope he does eat. Um, moving on to a Brian Lewis quote that Hunter brought to my attention. Uh, so Brian Lewis, New York Post, you most certainly have heard of him before. Um, he tweeted out today that Sean Marks said that KD was not behind the deal for James Harden, but was kept in the loop and up to speed on the trade. Now, this has caused a lot of like, he shade, he, yeah. Because some people, by the way he worded it, believe that K behind it, meaning as a support system. So they're thinking KD didn't support that trade, which at first, that's what I thought it was. But I think Marks meant that KD wasn't the mastermind of it in a clarification saying that like this organization won't be like every team that LeBron's ever been on since he was 18 years old where he can choose who he plays with all the time. It's not going to be like that. Marks is going to decide what they have to do to win, but he's also going to keep them in the loop. It's like, when LeBron wants a player, he was able to get the player by any means, and it's still like that. Now, in this case, KD can't just sit there and be like, get me Kawhi Leonard and he'll get him. It's not going to work like that. But 
he's going to keep him in the loop for players that they are trying to get to get his opinion on different stuff. Yeah, and I just think that speaks to how Sean Marks wants to run the organization and like the integrity behind the way in which he runs it. Uh, I think you're 100% right in saying that, you know, it's not going to be like a like the way that LeBron runs his teams. And I personally don't have a problem with that. I'm all for the player empowerment. Like if you want to play with, obviously you want to play with the best guys, but there's a way in which to go about it. And um, yeah, yeah I think, no, there's nothing wrong with what LeBron does, but he's just always been given that ability by every general manager of the teams he was on. And so, yeah, uh, I, I definitely think by Brian, like what Brian meant was like, he wasn't, like, he wasn't the mastermind, like Hunter said. I don't think some people took it as, like, he wasn't in favor of the trade. Or, like, he was against the trade, which I definitely don't think was the case. Obviously, KD and Harden have a long-standing relationship. And uh, even in the first two games without Kyrie, you could see that they were kind of clicking and rolling on all cylinders. So, um, I definitely think he he was all for trading for a, another all-star caliber player in James Harden. Um, speaking of Harden... Uh, he had some words on being back with Mike D'Antoni. Obviously, he spent a lot of his years in Houston being coached by Mike D'Antoni. Uh, he had this to say. He said, Mike's an unbelievable coach. He's been doing it for a very long time. Obviously, Mike's a factor, being comfortable with him, comfortable with Kevin. Knowing Kyrie made it easy for me. It was a no-brainer. Um, yeah, I, I, I that was how D'Antoni played into uh, Harden joining the Nets. Obviously, you want to go somewhere where you're comfortable, where you know somewhat how you're going to be using the offense, and obviously the Nets are still figuring it out. But with Steve Nash, on top of that, he's also he's also played with um, KD, so it's it, it's not a completely new thing for him to not be the main scorer on the team, like. In Houston, he was for all those years, but people forget that KD was the guy when he was in OKC all those years ago. So he knows how to take a backseat. Yeah, he's a different player, a better player. But like Harden said, it's it's a comfort thing. And being with D'Antoni and, and KD it, and and winning should make him the happiest he's been in a long time. And I think that uh, Dan Tony's role, especially on a, a team with a first year head coach and Steve Nash, is probably more prominent than it might have been in another organization. I think Steve Nash is still trying to figure it out, especially now with this whole big three. Uh, he's probably leaning on his assistant coaches a lot and Dan Tony being the most uh, notable of those. So, um, yeah. His well, what, one thing I saw, and, and this was a. Well, I'm going to ask you if, if it's the same thing as Golden State, basically. Um, I saw that people on the NBA network were talking about this team and saying that the Nets should – Isaiah Thomas was, was talking about it, saying that they shouldn't overcomplicate things and the defense will come – no, if the defense comes, the offense will follow is basically what he said. As their defense improves, their their offense will always be there. So getting on the defensive side of things is, is what's important. But Nash basically reinforced that and said he doesn't want to overcomplicate things on offense with, with the three stars and just wants to see beautiful basketball. In that same way, Steve Kerr came in after Mark Jackson had a heavy enforcement of structure 
and let Steph Curry and Klay Thompson run wild with screens. And they turn into a powerhouse. So do you think Nash should follow that method of letting them run free without structure? Or should he give them an offensive structure to follow? Like a seven seconds, a, a not the triangle, it doesn't work, don't care. Um, I, th- I, th- I think there's a, a healthy balance in between that great coaches find a way to get there. Like, I, I think Steve, Kerr, I think a lot of people, even with kind of like Tyron Lou with that Cavs team, like people kind of take away from the job that the coach does. And by people, I mean like spectators, not the players in the team, but like national media, people watching the game of basketball kind of take away the credit from the coach just because they automatically assume, oh, that must be easy to coach LeBron and Kyrie. Like, of course, you're going to win the chip when you have that. But like, keep in mind, Tyron Lue ran a lot of sets for that team that, which is why he's gotten another job. Like there's things that good coaches do that might not be able to be seen by casual NBA fans and not even just casuals like even people on Twitter that study film might not be able to you know see the nuances of what a a good great coach can do same thing with Steve Kerr I was one of those people that said you know like Steve Kerr is not that good of a coach uh I could sit there and let KD and Kyrie shoot up I mean, not KD and Kyrie, KD, Steph, Dre, and Clay shoot up 90 shots a game. And of course, you're going to win more than you lose. But like, I want to give my credit to Steve Kerr and say that, you know, there's probably things behind the scenes or even on the court that I didn't even notice what he was doing. And so the the screen sets that he was running to get Steph open was, was something most teams can't do, obviously, because they don't have a shooter at that level or somebody whose ball handling and overall offensive ability is at that level, that he used Steph's weapons to his advantage, something that that wasn't there before he got there. And it was a noticeable difference, which it, it's going to be – it's whatever path Steve Nash wants to take, but he has to pick the right choice because if he leaves them too free and it winds up with a bad balance of – ugly iso shots then it's gonna fall back on him no i 100 percent agree which is why i think he needs to find that healthy medium of somewhere in between letting them work and letting them get get their get their moves off and, and go crazy and you know but also reining that in when need be running offensive sets putting instilling some sort of discipline and offensive game plan in those three players because you know a lot of them, are, both of them, all, I mean, not both of them, all three of them are used to being like the alpha dog on their team. And so uh, there's definitely going to be some growing pains like we saw tonight with the Cavs, but we'll get into that. Um, but before we do, I want to talk about Nick's, Nick Claxton because he's very sorely missed on this Nets team. Uh, Steve Nash had some words on Nick Claxton. He said that I think Nick is probably closer to the midseason break than he is to now, sometime in February for sure, but no setbacks, just working through it. Uh, so obviously some good and some bad in that. Uh, the good being that Nick hasn't had any setbacks, so he's well on his way to recovery. The bad being that, you know, uh, he's not that ready to come back, which obviously sucks. Um, 
And it sucks even more now that the Nets traded for Harden because they severely cramped the amount of depth that, that they had. Um, Do you think that Marks is taking this time to look at what their holes are with this team so he can pick the right free agents? I think that he is. Um I think that the Nets have to, by just by NBA law, have to sign like two players by the end of this week or next week. So like changes are coming, reinforcements are coming. But I definitely think that he's giving this, like this this adjustment period, uh, uh, kind of he he's using it as kind of like a a stepping stone or like a, a lesson to to see what the Nets need and what they're weak at, what they're strong at. You know, kind of evaluate what uh he should prioritize when looking at who to pick up. Um I obviously think that above all they need a backup center. Uh DeAndre Jordan ain't gonna cut it for thirty six minutes a game. He's just not. Um but again that that was on display tonight against the Cavs. Uh against a team like the Bucks not so much, but it's still him playing over thirty minutes a game can't happen in the playoffs. Teams will pick that apart. Um, based on based on what you've seen now, who do you think is the option at center that they need? I feel like, like I said last time, Dwayne Deadmon is kind of who, and I don't know why no one has picked him up yet. I said this last time, but there's pro- there's got to be something behind the scenes. Maybe he wants too much money, but like I, I feel like he's definitely capable of being on an NBA roster. Like I, he would be my pick, just because, like I said before, not only. Can he play some defense, rim protect, but he can also step out behind the perimeter and shoot the three, which the Nets have no bigs that are capable of shooting the three ball right now. So uh, other than KD, I guess, if you count him as a big, but uh, yeah, really, they have no bigs that can step behind, step outside of the paint and create any sort of offense. So Dwayne Deadman would be my pick. Do you have a specific person in mind? Um, I mean, Deadman makes the most sense because... He can hit the three ball, so at least it gives some diversity from Jordan, who literally can't make a shot unless his hand is at the rim. I know some people were saying Ersan Ilyasova. Yeah, but he he's more of a stretch four. If they need, if they think Claxton can come back and be the backup center, then sure, then then go for it. Another guy, another guy that uh, is on my radar, he just got waived, Alex Len. Yeah, Alex Len would be a good option, but uh, I see, based on need, I'd say Deadman because they can essentially run a five-out system with Deadman where they can't... It's like if Jordan sets a pick in all reality... They they don't have to worry about him fading for a shot, ever. All he can do is dunk. That's what you have to worry about. If if you get a guy like Deadman, it causes the concern for a roll and a, a fade because he can hit threes at a solid clip. So I'd say they can get Deadman or Ilyasova, but... Deadman seems like the better option. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, and now we we kind of want to dive into 
why we're saying this, which is their previous three games. Um, we're more so just going to touch on the Bucks and the Cavs. The Magic game was, you know, whatever. But uh, we'll touch on that more so when we talk about the general, our general statements and thoughts on the Nets past three games. But before we get into that, uh, we got to give a huge shout out to our guys over at Manscaped, of course. Happy New Year's from our sponsors, Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and is here to help you have a clean, shaven ball sack in the new year. Ring in the new year with the right tools for the job. Uh, happy 2021. Spoiler alert. Hairy nuts are still gross. Step into the new year with a tree standing taller and shave your boys. Manscaped is here to give you a new year's resolution that you'll actually want to keep. The perfect package 3.0 is the below the belt grooming package. You need to start off strong this year. Come out of quarantine with clean balls. Thanks to the lawnmower 3.0. This waterproof and skin safe trimmer will reduce nicks to your two best friends. The third generation trimmer even has a light to shine to the promised land 2021 looks to be it's also time to freshen up down there in the new year the crop preserver is the anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer you already put deodorant on your bar- armpits why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body and for on-the-go freshness you'll love the crop reviver ball toner spray start this new year off with a fresh set of testes, thanks to Manscaped. Uh, they even threw in their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and will bring your underwear game to the next level. Bring sexy back in 2021. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code HOOPBALL20. That's no spaces, just H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0 at Manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. And while we're already kind of plugging things, just to get you guys excited, uh, we do we are scheduled to have our first guests on the podcast soon. It's been like two years since me and Hunter have been doing this. We've yet to have a guest, but that changes. Uh, this Saturday, we are going to have Billy Reinhardt of Nets Daily on the podcast. That episode will probably drop on Monday, so look forward to that. And then on Sunday, uh, we're Inter- well, not kind of interviewing, kind of having on the pod, just kind of talking to Nets as depicted by SpongeBob. So if you're a Nets fan, you obviously know who he is. Even if you're not a Nets fan, uh, he's a great Twitter follow. So go check him out. Uh, that podcast you can also look forward to. So, yeah, I just wanted to get you guys excited for that. Um, and so, yeah, the Nets versus the Bucks. Uh, this game was without Kyrie. The tone from Nets fans and Nets Twitter, if you looked at it after this game and you looked at it after tonight, it's a complete different vibe. Um, the well, Net- one thing I'll say is uh, right out the gate of this game, you could tell that Harden was um, taking, a, taking a back seat for the most part. For, for his first games with the Nets, he was trying not to shoot the ball as much and just get a feel for the other players on the roster. So he would bring the ball up and then either give it up to KD or find Joe Harris off a pick, and, and he's been getting double-digit assists almost every game now. And I think based on the game against the Cavs tonight, that he's going to wind up taking less shots than both Kyrie and KD. 
And and so and, and you kind of saw in that first game with the Magic, he dropped a triple double. Things were great. Second game, he dropped 34 points against the Bucks. And then Kyrie came back, and everyone kind of wondered who's going to be the Chris Bosh, you know, like who's going to be the Kevin Love, who was going to take the L. And uh, it, it ended up being Harden in this game versus the Cavs. And I think not only. So he he was primarily serving as the point guard. Kyrie was playing a lot off ball in uh, the game versus the Cavs. But I think Harden taking the backseat maybe for psychological reasons, just because like he wasn't he's the guy that wasn't a part of the Nets plan coming into the season, and so they traded all their depth to 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 get you. And he probably feels like he's th- he's the guy that's thrown a wrench into things. And so he doesn't want to step on anyone's toes. He doesn't want to overestimate the amount of leverage I mean, or pull he has on the team. So he feels like he has to take the backseat. I also think that he's okay with, with lessening his typical ridiculous stats if it leads to winning. I, I really think that winning is his focus at this point. I mean, yeah, it has to be. He's seen how it works out when he's the primary scorer doing whatever he wants on. And he did that for multiple years on the Rockets and to no avail. You know, like he ended up in the same place. One year had Chris Paul not gotten hurt. And but that's a still that's still an if. But other than that, it, it hasn't really been a powerhouse where it's a guaranteed top of the west team when he's at the helm of the offense but i mean his vision is extremely good better than Kyrie's, probably if we're being honest so having him bring the ball up if he's willing to take a back seat might be the best option for them to score the ball effectively um, no, I, I think that the way they're running it now is w- with a couple of tweaks probably is the way that they should continue to run it. Um, just looking at this Bucks game, uh, it was uh, incredible that the Nets even won. Um, uh, they, the, the Bucks shot 22 more shots. The Bucks were 46 of 106 and, uh, from the field and the Nets were 46 of 84. So they made the same amount of shots and the Bucks took over 20 plus shots than the Nets. Because uh, the Nets turned the ball over 12 more times than the Bucks. Yeah. And, uh, the Bucks also had four more offensive rebounds. That created 16 more opportunities right there alone. The Nets had 17 turnovers compared to the Bucks six. That like like that the fact that we even won this game is crazy. When you <laughs> have more than double, almost triple the other team's turnovers, nine times out of ten you lose that game. But that just speaks to the talent well, that. See the this game also proved the Nets' problem. Although the turnovers were huge, the Nets shot. 55% from the field and 48 from three, right? Yeah. Their bench shot five of 14 and one of five from three. I mean, they their nets are like, they're six deep right now. Like, they're legitimately six deep. They have KD, Jeff Green, who's really stepped up in a big way. Joe Harris, DeAndre Jordan, James Harden, Kyrie. 
And who else after that? This, like, they don't believe in Bruce Brown for some reason. I truly don't know why, but I personally think Bruce Brown should play uh, way more than he does right now. He could not only do, he's a three and D guy. He plays good defense. He actually tries on the defensive end, which is more than you can say for a lot of guys. And he's very capable of getting a bucket. So I don't know why Steve Nash has iced him out of the rotation, but whatever. Because Reggie Perry ain't cutting it. He's just I not. I a post that uh, was talking about the Landry Shamit trade, right? Where at the time you think, wow, the Pistons are the team that really lost that so horribly. Like, how did they give up Luke Kennard and, and the Nets get Shamit for nothing for that pick? And uh, the player selected with that pick has actually been pretty good. Who? Sadiq Bay. Oh, okay. The Pistons. A 6-7 forward averaging 9-4 and four in 20 minutes a game, shooting 42% from three. With decent defensive numbers, I've seen posts saying like that Nets might actually regret that trade because Bay fits what they need rather than Shamit, who's a Joe Harris light. Yeah, it's it's tough because you already don't have any defense in this starting lineup outside of Jeff Green, maybe, like, and KD. KD obviously is capable of guarding anyone, but, and people don't really give him his flowers for that. Like, he locks up, but other than KD, who's really guarding anyone? Like I said, Jeff Green is kind of capable, but you got Kyrie. Don't, don't even speak of Kyrie's defense until we get to the next game. You've got, uh, fine. So, even in the starting lineup they had versus the Bucks, you've got, Joe Harris, DeAndre Jordan, Harden, Tim TLC, Landry Shamit. Those three in the starting lineup, who out of the 48 minutes, they played 37, 38, and 41. So they're almost on the court the whole game. And they can't guard anyone. DeAndre Jordan (laughs) is a bottom 10 defender out of all starters in the NBA. Yeah, uh, I, I, it's... And I, like, there are times I exaggerate, I don't think that is. I don't know... anyone, it's almost instantly a bucket. I don't know that Landry Shamit, like, there's not many minutes for him, you know? Like, where, where, when you, when the Nets are at full strength, where do you slot him in? You're obviously getting KD, you're obviously getting Harden and Kyrie as many minutes as possible. Game, Joe Harris played 37 and he played 11, which means he came in when Joe Harris came out. So they literally used him as Joe Harris light. And that's like, that's barbecue chicken on the defensive end either way. So, so it's tough. And, and that's problem of Duncan Robinson. And unfortunately, I love Joe Harris. Neither of them are Duncan Robinson. Uh, I don't know about that one, but I, I think I think that Duncan Robinson is used in very different ways. Has been. I think he's just. I think he's used more prominently than Joe Harris is on the the Nets. Because between last year and this year, he's shooting identical percentages from the field and from three. He is 
the, he is the key point for consistency. And uh, fine, I'll give it to you. Yeah, I'll say that 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 Duncan Robinson is better than Joe Harris, but I just think that they're used in very different ways so Duncan Robinson gets way more credit than Joe Harris does for his shooting capability I do believe it's very close but then you put Shamit into the mix and Shamit doesn't cut it either of them. the good things about this game versus the Bucks though like like I like the fact that we that just speaks to how talented of a team this is the fact and like how much upside that we had the, the the Bucks played everyone. This was their full strength team. And we didn't have our third best player, which would be the second best player on the Bucks. So like it, it, the fact that we still Person, beat them. I don't think the Bucks are nearly the scariest team in the East. I don't think they are either. I, I think the Celtics I think are full strength. Both the Celtics and Sixers are scarier to the Nets than the Bucks are. I'd agree. I just think that it's like the fact that we had triple their turnovers and weren't at full strength while they were at full strength and still won is crazy. The reason, the only reason I put the Celtics there is because the Celtics hole is the same hole as the net. So they literally match up perfectly. Tristan Thompson and DeAndre Jordan do essentially the same thing. No, I, I 100% agree. So, this... Then you have wings just going at it. Tatum and Brown. Yeah, they're not Harden and KD. Then you have Kemba. Then you have Smart. The defense on Boston is going to be there. The thing that keeps them in it. But then the Sixers, where Embiid right now, is just going to expose DeAndre Jordan. I mean, I think they're going to have a hard time guarding a lot of teams. <laughs> well, yeah. In, in general, they will because no matter every team's best scores are going to get theirs against the Nets because if they have more than one score, KD can guard all of them. And that brings us to the atrocity that was the Cavaliers game tonight. Uh, so the, the the Nets ended up losing in double overtime. In our it was supposed to be scary hours. Oh my God, KD, oh, Kyrie, Harden. A side note before we get into specifics of this game. Um, I was looking at the box score of the Bucks game, right? And I do you believe that the Bucks losing George Hill for DJ Augustine is is like a huge loss for them? Losing George Hill and getting back DJ I would well, they signed Augustine after they gave Hill to the Thunder and Augustine in the game against the Nets went 0 for 8 from the field for two <laughs> without another stat in the box score. Zero rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, turnovers, nothing. He I, didn't do anything in 20 minutes except miss shots. I think DJ Augustine was really good last season and so I think he definitely upped his value. When it comes to free agency this this offseason, and he, I don't think it's that much of a net loss between him and George Hill, honestly, but I can see where the where the discrepancies come from. The, the Bucks definitely lost a little something, but I think overall as a team they got better. So like, I don't think they really give a damn that much, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say they got better. Uh, Bobby Portis has been okay. But I don't know. They just don't seem as scary this year as they were the last two years in the regular season. No, I 100% agree. I don't really fear them that much, which is crazy because you would think that you would since they have Drew Holiday. But, like, I just don't. Like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like, I just, they're just not scary to me anymore. And I think they're going to go on a big run in the midseason that's going to make people be like, oh, the Bucks are back. But as for right now, they just, they're not hitting on the same cylinders they was for me before. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, the Nets lost to the Cavs, 135 to 147. Uh, now I can speak about Kyrie's defense. Uh, hold on, hold on. I just, before you get into it, I just want to say that this game didn't expose any problems or weaknesses about the Nets that we didn't already know coming into the game. Like, yes, yes. they have yeah. no depth. They, their defense is downright almost horrific and they definitely need a backup center extremely bad you can't even just say that their bench shot four for 24 (laughs) you didn't know that 16 percent i mean their big three combined for 96 of their 135 and yet none of them was the game high scorer okay okay but you realize that the starters shot 53.6 percent compared to the bench shot 16 percent yeah i mean yeah the the nets have no they're six deep bro they're six deep the bench shot 18 percent from three 18 like it's not good i mean that's what happens when you leverage your depth in in the way that they did for a star in james harden like like i said before they played one bench player more than 12 minutes and it was Joe Harris, who's basically their starter. Like, they're Ooh, st- I was going to ask you, do you think they stick with the lineup they ran tonight? Or There's- should Joe Harris join the starters and Jeff Green come off the bench? Their primary lineup tonight was basically Kyrie Harden, uh, Joe Harris, Jeff Green, KD at the five. That's basically what they were running for, for most of the night. Because DeAndre Jordan, like, he just has no place on the court for multiple reasons, you know? like Which, so, which is sad because the Cavs were running Jared Allen. Yeah, and Jared Allen was hitting mid-range jumpers. Jared Allen, Jordan's been going at him for since last season. Can he not handle him? Bro, Jared Allen was hitting mid-range jumpers, and DeAndre Jordan didn't know what, what to do. <laughs> like, I'm like, yo, bro, guard this man. What do you, what, 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 why are you out here? If you can't guard a big, like a big that doesn't shoot, a big that's not bringing you out to the perimeter, why why are you on the court if you can't guard him? Like at some point, you being able to catch a lob every 10,000 possessions isn't going to do much for us. Like it's just not. And so. Tori and Prince and Jared Allen did their thing and were a huge reason that the Cavs won this game too. Nah, Torian Prince went on like an eight oh run. That's at one point him and K D were going back and forth. I'm like, yo, what is going on right now? Him and K D Kevin Durant and Torian Prince literally going back and forth. Like Dion Waiters and who did he go Tim Hardaway Jr. in that Rising Stars game, bro. Like that that was crazy. So Jared Allen wound up closing the game and playing 31 minutes with a double-double, while Drummond played just 26 minutes 
and had 13 and 7 with four turnovers. I've been saying Drummond can be moved for since the trade happened because Allen is going to be their center going forward in the future. Do you think that they should move Drummond after what you saw? Um, I do. I think I think Nets fans were asking for Jared Allen to finish games for a very long time and weren't getting what they wanted. And the Cavs were like, no problem. Let's see what you got, big dog. Clearly proved that he was able to do it. Played 31 minutes, 11 rebounds, 12 points, double-double, four blocks, which was a team, a game high. Well, KD also had four blocks, so I guess a tied game high. Like, I definitely think that DeAndre, uh, not DeAndre, that Andre Drummond, um, is well on his way out of Cleveland. He'll definitely be moved by the deadline. Um, and I don't think it's even going to be in a big move. Like, I don't think it's going to take much for a team to get Andre Drummond off the Cavs. They clearly have their center of the future. Um, they're damn close to their team in the future with Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro, Larry Nance Jr., and Jared Allen. That's probably their starting five for the for the foreseeable future. So, yeah, get Andre Drummond up out of there. And wait, just to also say, the Nets lost to the Cavs without Darius Garland. <laughs> like, they weren't even at full strength. Not to mention, they are the lowest scoring team in the league. They average the 30th amount of points in the entire league. Like, like the least amount of points in the league. And they, without Darius Garland, still lost. That's just yeah, insane. Yeah, they have seven of their eight players who played had double figures. And the one who didn't had eight points and fouled out. <laughs> so they would have had a full roster of double figures had Okoro not fouled out. Just a shout. And, and then the Nets had two zeros <laughs> on their bench. <laughs> and no one on their bench had more than six. So... That's the glaring difference, obviously, but it's something we already knew. Now, talking about the big three, right? Yeah. Kyrie comes in. Comes in and played spectacularly, by the way. Immediately, yes, he played well on the offensive end of the floor. 37 points, four rebound no not four rebounds haha two rebounds, two three, rebounds assists, three assists three blocks. three blocks random don't think it'll happen again took the most shots on the team by the way he was 15 of 28 in yeah. 48 minutes um, so he came in took the most shots took almost every shot in double overtime um couldn't buy a bucket at the end which just shows how well he played until the second overtime but the defense is going to be a glaring issue there. And there's nowhere to hide because Harden isn't much better. Now, I will say Harden is a better defender. So out of the two guards, Harden's probably going to have to guard the better one. But in this one, they stuck with Kyrie guarding Sexton who then owned him in the second overtime when, although it wasn't just him literally Sexton, went nuclear. He had a 15 0 run by himself 
that featured the the three in Kyrie's face to send it to a double overtime, then another three in, I believe, Jeff Green's face, then another three in Kyrie's face, then another three in KD's face, then another Bro, three. do you remember that game in college where he was playing like three on five? Yes, that's what that That's what it reminded me of, bro. He was doing everything and led them to a win when no one thought it was possible. Yeah, the Cavs Twitter themselves tweeted like, we were supposed to get blown out by 200 points. And like, you can't even blame them. Talk your shit. Like, of course, because everyone, even I tweeted out uh, from the hoopball nest Twitter, like, yeah, the, the poor Cavs are about to get ran off the court tonight. Ended up running us the F off the court. Just to break it down, Colin Sexton had 42 points, 16 of 29 from the field, uh, which was a game high. Also, the fact that he was the best player on the court with three of the NBA's top 10 players also on that same court is crazy. Um, He outscored. Wait, what happened? Three of the NBA's top 15, two of the NBA's top seven. Okay, fine. Whatever. Three of the NBA's top 15 players. He was still found a way to be their best player. He outscored three of the NBA's maybe top 10, top 15 scorers. Like, Colin Sexton was on a different level tonight. Um, And once again, we just need to go over the Nets defense. Like, so I looked into it. They have in the Harden era, era, since he's joined the team, that three games, they have yet to hold a team below or at their average amount of points. So how many points did the Magic score, Hunter? 115. The Magic are the third lowest scoring team in the league. They average 104.5 points. And how much did they score? 115. So, one, to the Magic. So then we get to the Bucks. The Bucks are actually the second highest scoring team in the league. They score more than the Nets, typically. They score more than the Nets. They the only per, the highest scoring team in the league is the Wizards, which is crazy, but they score 120.5, the Bucks score 120.4, and somehow the Nets still let the, the Bucks get above their average. Um and then obviously this is Shattered their average by 47 and a half points. This is just sad because, like I said, overtime periods are five minutes. There was two of them. In the 10 minutes between the two overtimes, the Cavs scored 34 points. <laughs> like I said before, the Cavs are the lowest scoring team in the entire NBA. They're the only team in the NBA that doesn't average at least 100 points. They average 99.5, and somehow, the Nets, without the Cavs, without Darius Garland, without their second best player, the Nets let them score 147 points. In the three games since Harden has been a net, the Nets are giving up 128.3 points, which is the second most in the entire league. If that doesn't spell defensive issues, I don't know what does. <laughs> like That's very clearly going to be a problem. Um, for top tier teams like the Lakers, who, like I said, like to hunt matchups, it's going to be tough for them to guard them. I just, if the Nets are going to win the chip this year, they need to figure things out on the defensive end first. Who is guarding Anthony Davis? 
Who's guarding LeBron, bro? Well, KD will stick LeBron. <sighs> God, oh LeBron, and they'll go bro, at. Who's him. guarding Dennis Schroeder? <laughs> that's yeah. That's the thing. I mean, Kyrie <laughs> can hold his own on Schroeder. Can he? Because Colin Sexton just had forty. Sexton is quite miles better than Dennis Schroeder, bro. But Dennis Schroeder can get a bucket. Like, come on now. Yes, but he's not the same as Sexton. It doesn't matter. But then, then you have uh, the the issue is Anthony Davis because if they're gonna think DeAndre Jordan or Jeff Green can guard him, tough. I mean, yeah, it's it's gonna be tough for the Nets. That's their number one issue. They're not gonna be able to just outscore every team every single that, night. That's why, if they happen to run into the Sixers in the playoffs, Embiid will be a big issue. Because if the Nets run small, KD can't guard him. No, I mean, nobody can guard him, so expecting that man to guard him just isn't fair. Embiid Um, is a large man. He can't be guarded by anyone. His own stamina is what holds him back half the time. No, Steve Nash has got his work cut out for him. On the offensive end, things could be could have been better, you know. James Harden definitely took the back seat. He was the he, I think he only took 14 shots tonight. Let me make sure. Yeah, he was 6 of 14 in 51 minutes. He had another triple-double. He had 21, 10 and 12, but you know, things just didn't work out. He he was the guy that that like I said took the back seat and I think there still needs to be some balance in the shot attempts. Kyrie taking 28 Eh, let's take three less let Harden take three more kind of balance things out a little like things like that will come with time um yeah looking forward and on, after this so, game so Kendrick to Twitter and, and said a lot of crazy that the Nets have to play Kyrie Irving as if he's the sixth man I mean he believes that Nash should start Kyrie Pull him early and then run him out with the second unit. The issue there, not only is that a horrible idea on its own, (laughs) the Nets don't have a second unit. There isn't a unit. There's a second player. So if you take him out for that one player, who's he going to run with? I couldn't tell you, bro. I truly couldn't. There's no second unit. He's not running with the five minutes that Reggie Perry gets and the eight minutes TLC gets. So, so who's he running with? He, he that's why that's the problem. Perkins doesn't watch the games, looks at the box score and sees, oh wow, Kyrie took a lot of shots. I don't like that, and then goes to Twitter. Like, that's a horrible idea. Kyrie playing off the ball worked just fine. It's just that his shot selection was not the best, and it hasn't been for years. Kyrie just takes bad shots. That's what he does. There's players who do that. He's one of them. And like I said, like those James Harden setbacks, man, when they go in, they're, it's incredible. But when they don't, they they're sting. Ugly. They sting. <laughs> like don't they're ugly they hit front rim they hit deep on the back of the rim they they're not close when they miss and so like i said time will tell how the nets figured out and i think time will heal the some of the wounds that the nets have but it won't heal all of them um um did you happen to uh 
catch the DeAndre Jordan jumper that he attempted at the end of the shot clock. Was it was it not an air ball? Uh yeah, it was it was not gonna hit the rim, so said he accidentally jumped and caught it. Like you have no place to be doing that. I'm sorry. Like like even if there's three seconds on the clock, just throw it to the nearest star around you and let them fire <laughs> like Oh. Or at least throw it at the rim as hard as you can and just hope that someone gets the rebound. Like, shooting a jumper with confidence is not going to cut it. <laughs> throw it at the rim as hard as you can. It's not going to cut it. Shoot it like it's a free throw at the end of a game where you need a rebound. Like, So after this loss, uh, we, we tweeted out uh, t- some thoughts, takeaways. Uh, Doug responded. He said, damn, I miss Jared Allen. As a player, as a human, uh, Harden is great, but we traded away our depth. It showed tonight. That needs to be addressed. They will learn to play together, but it won't matter if there's no bench. I 100% agree. I think Hunter, Hunter, uh, Hunter. <laughs> I think Hunter also agrees. Um, so the depth is going to be their downfall when they play a team like the Heat that will f- run fresh legs all game. The Heat are going to cycle out Drogic, Hero, Duncan, this, that, all these players. None, Jimmy, Bam, Kelly Olenek. <laughs> They're 9 to 10 deep to net 6. And that's going to be a big problem when Jimmy played Jimmy's going to play a lot of minutes and he doesn't typically get tired often unless he's hurt. But when Hero's fresh at the end of a game and Drogic's fresh, while Kyrie's on minute 46, it's it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt bad. And then for them to have to move on past that series to face Philly in the next round if they make it, where one of them has to guard Ben Simmons, it's it's tough. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. Sean Marks definitely has his work cut out. Be careful with these free agent signings and make sure they hit with players that can fit in the rotation. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Sean Marks has his work cut out for him. Uh, He needs to be very thoughtful, very cerebral about who he brings in. And uh, looking forward in the net schedule, uh, they play the Cavs again on Friday. So (laughs) they will have a chance to... Whoever they sign should be defensive minded. What? Wait, what'd you say? I didn't. It, your mic cut out. Do you believe that their signing should be defensive minded? I do. Um, I, th- I don't think they. He should be solely defensive with no sort of offense. But I think that uh, if you have to prioritize a player that's better on offense than they are defense or better at defense than they are offense, I'm going with the defensive-minded player. Just because, like, at the end of the day, you're probably going to have three of the five best players on the court at all times. So, you know, uh, I would rather prioritize defense, yeah. Look, Um, I'm not going to lie. There's a free agent out there who, uh, it, yes, he didn't play for a long time and could not be 100%, but if he's anything like his old self, could benefit the Nets greatly. Who Andre are you talking? Oh, oh, yeah. I thought, didn't we talk about him last time? I... Now he cannot score the ball ever. Don't he can't, take can't shoot a lick worth of guard. Somebody put him in the game. 
and let the other three work around him. Yeah, no. And I if they go off of him, so be it. Let KD take a double team and score. But he can change the defense if he's anything like his old self. Now, obviously, he'll have to work out and they'll have to see that because the injury was pretty bad, so he could not nearly be as good. But if he is, he could be someone that that helps them out. No, I agree, and I think Sean Mark should definitely take a look into Roberson and see what his conditioning's like, see what point he's at, and if he's ready, if he's game ready right now. Um, but yeah, like I said, looking at the net schedule, they play the Cavs on Friday, so they'll the Cavs will have their uh, their chance to do it again, and the Nets will have their chance at redemption. After that, they play a doubleheader versus the Heat on Saturday and Monday. Um, so that should be a really, really good set of games. And then they're looking at the Hawks next Wednesday, the Thunder next Friday, and then the Wizards next Sunday. So, um, there's four really good games in there. A lot. The, all six of those games could be really good depending on if the Cavs can do what they did again today. Uh, the Wizards are the highest scoring team in the league and the Nets just gave up a crap ton of points to the lowest scoring team in the league, so that should be a recipe for disaster. But um, we'll That's see. That's usually not how things work, so I'd say the Nets win that one. They probably will <laughs> beat the Wizards. On Twitter, all over the place. Everyone's saying, let's trade Kyrie for Westbrook to reunite Westbrook, Harden, and KD again. Yeah, that would never. Uh, please don't. Uh, Sean Marks, if and you're listening, please don't, don't do that. that. Reports and it's like them getting mad. Yeah, no, that's that's not no no no. Harden has come full circle back with KD, and uh, that's where we need to leave it. And um, yeah, that'll do it for this episode of the Hoopball Nets podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, subscribe to the Hoopball Nets podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five star rating and review because all reviews will get read on the pod. You can follow us on Spotify as well. Make sure you download the episode. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Hoopball Nets. Help us get to 200 followers. You can follow me on Twitter. A lot of following going on. You can follow me on Twitter at Najee Adams underscore Hunter is at Hunter underscore JKR on Twitter. And uh, yeah, before we get up out of here, your letter is G. Wow, G. G. I already have one. George Gervin Iceman. Mine's just Gary Harris. And with that, we will talk to you guys later. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.